to another episode of the Glory Cloud Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm the executive pastor of Exodus Church, along here with Pastor Kyle. How y'all doing? The lead pastor of Exodus Church. And our both our elders are here as well. So we have all four elders of Exodus here, uh, one being Jamie Steinmetz. Happy Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Come on. And Kyle Waters. Roll Tide. Oh, yep. man. Come on. The signature Roll Tide. Uh, so, hey... Um, Man, uh, I think we're just talking about a really cool uh, thing. We figured we'd jump on the podcast and just keep on talking. Um, Pastor Kyle, would you go ahead and roll off kind of the question that you were posing to us just a few minutes ago? Yeah, so thinking through our, uh, as believers today, uh, new covenant believers in Christ, saved by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone, uh, oftentimes we begin to look mainly just at the the far right side of the Bible mm-hmm. being the New Testament, as if that is right. what applies to us. Yeah. Uh, and the first, you know, two-thirds of the book, uh, the Old Testament is something sure. that we are, for the most part, unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, but even going beyond that, there's a theological discussion. Um, right. Well, how, what is our relationship to, yeah. the old, to the Old Testament, to the Old Covenant, to the yeah. law? Not necessarily... Uh, can we not not the relationship as it re- relates to us reading stories and knowing the stories, right? And moral application and ethical principles and so on. Yeah. But rather, as we stand before God in Christ, mm-hmm. um, as He has given us His Word from Genesis to Revelation, yeah. how do we then engage the old? And what does the old have to say to us? What sort of bearing does the old covenant have? on us today. So that that's the question. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, th- I think some people even today, guys, right, they can go to Lifeway and pick up a, a New Testament only Bible. You know, maybe a New Testament in the Psalms is usually what you see. You know? So maybe, you know, people like, uh, everyone likes reading the Psalms. So right. here's a New Testament in the Psalms. We're, some people who call themselves New Testament Christians. So basically they've completely just done away with the Old Testament. Uh, uh, Andy Stanley would say, hey, just unhitch from it. You know, there's no bearing whatsoever. We don't have any relationship to the law. That was only the Jews. Um, so today, if you lead someone to Christ, you could give them a New Testament of Psalms and, and be just just fine with that. And so, um, yeah, what, what do you think about that? Like, can we can we do away with it? Is, is it even needed? Maybe that's the first place to start. Well, and, and they would say that probably primarily because they're always and only looking at a moral perspective. Hmm. That it, It's almost as if the Bible itself is not the story of God's dealing with man, hmm. uh, but it is do this, do this, do this, don't do this, do right. this, do this. And that's how they Both look at the teach whole it right Bible. Wrong. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and, and that's what they look for. And so... It's, and it's, it's probably the same reason a lot of people just look at uh, Scripture as a whole. Well, the Bible it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible I can't do that. Or it doesn't say anything in the Bible. So they just want one verse. And they just want to take one verse and that's it. And they and they, they run with it. Their whole theology is based off one verse theology. So if they're purely just only moralists, then why do you think they would need the Old Testament? Oh, if they're just only... Well, it's because like, they can't keep it. They yeah. keep the, can't keep the, the law. I mean, right. so the Romans 7. You, I don't need to eat like that or dress yeah, like that, yeah. do I? And, yeah, and there's so. no need. Oh, it's not necessary for salvation. Right. So it's all about basically morals. Um, and so I, I don't need that. Yeah. How to live a Christ-like life, G- good good and bad. And all I need is Jesus' teachings from there, and, and he will sum it up for me, basically. Sum, sum it all up. Yeah, it's so a, that's interesting. It's a postmodern idea as well that anything antiquated, Anything old is gone, is no longer relevant, um, has nothing to say to us. Mm. And because we have Christ in the New yeah. Testament, um, 
who, as he says, is the fulfill, came to fulfill the law, uh, we would have no reason to turn left and look back to the Old Testament. It's, it's antiquated, it's not applicable, right. uh, and thereby nothing to be gained from it yeah. yet, um, except confusion. We, we would read it and become confused, we would get bogged down in Leviticus, get bogged down in the, um, right. in the stories and the ideas yeah. uh, of the Old Testament. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that those who probably say to people, you're just going to get bogged down with the Old Testament uh, themselves, whether they're pastors, leaders, you know, church leaders of some sort, they themselves probably don't even really know the Old Testament either. Right? They're like, I don't really see any need for it other than it just kind of gets confusing and, and hard to figure out and, and understand what's going on there. Uh, therefore, um, I'm not going to put that on somebody and I, I, I may not even know how to walk them through it myself. So, th- I mean, this question not only uh, could be helpful for a new believer or, or a Christian, but even a pastor who's like, I, I really don't know what to do with the Old Testament. I never preach from it. I don't really spend any quiet times reading from it. Maybe I'll do Genesis, you know, one through three. But from there, you know, that's just kind of for the Jews, and that's just that's Old Covenant stuff, and that has no bearing on me. I wonder if some of it has to do with the, the evangelical idea that... Um that evangelizing or or doing apologetics with other people, um, because Jesus is the foundation of our faith, yeah. that we are preaching Christ, not just um, preaching His story, but but Him in name only. And right. so, there's no way to uh, to evangelize your neighbor unless you unless you focus in on Christ, uh, His story in the Gospels, in the New Testament. How are you going to lead somebody to Christ with the story of the Exodus um, out of the book of Exodus? Quite so, simply, actually. Exactly. That's why I named our church Exodus. Right. <laughs> but uh, there's great fear around. But great uh, fear, yeah. They don't know how leading, it works. Right, I'm leading like, people to Christ yeah. um, from anywhere but the right. New Testament and maybe anywhere but the Gospels. Sure. You know, I always thought that was interesting, too. Like, some people are like, man, all it really needs is the Romans road. Like, uh, because it all comes down to, you know, college, you were saying... Um, it's just more moralism, and, and then maybe Jamie's your point. Not even uh, their main purpose is for evangelism, and so in their minds, like I really only need the New Testament, or or not even the whole New Testament. Even all I need is the Romans Road. Um, so I, I got a few verses, um, and uh, that's all we need. I think the kids are uh, saying Amen to that. that that's really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I think again, even one thing to point out to people too is. You know, you may all, all you need to do is preach preach Christ and be able to say, now confess your sins and be saved. And someone could legitimately place their faith in Christ and be saved with the Romans road. So I'm not trying to knock that. But what I am saying is Paul didn't just only write five different, what? You know, One verse sermons. Right, yeah. He wrote an entire book of Romans. So first, maybe people don't even know that. And when you go to, uh, what's it like, in 1 Corinthians um, uh, 15, where he's actually describing, like, what is the gospel? Here's the gospel, the good news that was passed down to me, basically what he's sharing with others. You know, that, um, but he says that Christ was, um, first of all, he says Christ. What does that even mean? Do you even know that title of Christ apart from the Old Testament? He also says that, that he died and he rose again, but he also says, according to the scriptures. Now, what scriptures are he talking about at that time? The whole New Testament is not canonized yet. So, according to the scriptures, it's got to be going back to the Old Testament. Therefore, to your point, you should be able to preach the gospel from Exodus. Mm-hmm. You should be able to preach the gospel, you know, from Genesis or Ezekiel. I mean, any of the books of the Bible should lead you to Christ. Yeah, Paul says in Galatians that God pre-preached the gospel to Abraham. Yeah. Right. right. So, the, the text itself tells us that the gospel has been proclaimed 
uh, even since before, the beginning, <laughs> before Christ. Yeah. 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 And, and we're so happy to, to join a camp. We're, we're tribalistic right. um, the further along into history we go. Um, as sophisticated as we have become, we're still very tribalistic. And so we, we would like to say, well, I'm, I'm in the camp of, of Jesus and not the camp of Moses, of Abraham, of the law. I'm, I'm not dragged down by the law, right. you know, almost yeah. to the point of becoming antinomian. Yeah. So. Yeah. So obviously Jesus wouldn't have us just say, hey, you know what, Andy Stanley, you're right. You know, let's unhitch from this thing. Um, You don't need to worry about that anymore. Just start printing off the New Testaments, maybe the Psalms, and and you're fine. Just do away with the Old Testament. He says, I did not come to abolish the law, you know, but I've come to fulfill it. So you don't abolish. Jesus is not saying that he's abolishing the law. He's not doing away with it. You're not. You don't need to cut that part of your entire Bible out, which is what two thirds of it. Um, but he's saying no. All of that is going to be fulfilled in me. So, but the other question is too. Uh, maybe Pastor Kyle, you can expound on this a little bit. Um, we don't follow the law in order to be saved, though. So when people are like, but all right, then do I need to start keeping all those old laws? Do I need to read Leviticus with like a fine tooth comb then and start? trying to obey all the food laws and things like that, which some like types and forms of Christians trying to do that. Yeah, and I think that, that would highlight one of the biggest misconceptions in the Christian life anyways is in the Old Testament, they didn't follow the law to be saved. Right. Right? Like no one ever yeah. got saved by works of the law. Right. No one. So starting all the way back, the law was never meant to say, obey me perfectly and you will be saved. Yeah, what Old Testament character can you go to and says, oh, he obeyed perfectly? Right. Salvation has always <laughs> been through faith, by the grace of God, in yeah. the promises of God. Yeah. The law was, was, was given to us to build us up, uh, to give us our vocation, to give us our, uh, our calling, and show us how to live like God. Right. How, how to image him well as image bearers. It was never a standard that was put in place to uh, say God speaking to man saying, okay, if you obey this perfectly, then you, you can be saved, right? Then you'll have eternal life with me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, oh, great, we don't have to obey the law anymore because uh, Jesus has come and he's provided an easier way of salvation. The Hebrews goes out of its way to say that actually it's harder now. Uh, it, it, it's more serious now. Mm. Um, it's the, the stakes are higher because in the old, God has revealed Himself through, through the letter of the law. Through the sure, yeah. Um, but but now He has revealed Himself in Christ. Yeah. Um, and if Christ has come, then we have to respond now to to the incarnate, the the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the King that rules. Yeah. We interact with Him, and that calling, uh, according to Hebrews, is actually a a greater calling that should be taken more seriously. That's good. Uh, so I think the first thing we need to do is understand what is the purpose of the law, mm-hmm. right? And the purpose of the law hasn't changed, right? It, it, it hasn't changed from the beginning. It, it, again, we cannot look at the law and say, this is how we were to be saved then, um, and now we are saved by a different way. That's just yeah. not true. Yeah. On that point, some people even say that, but that's what the Pharisees were doing, weren't they? Right. Isn't that how the Pharisees interpreted the Old Testament? Were they trying to obey it yeah. in order to somehow be holy or be saved? Yeah, and we take our hermeneutical principles from the Pharisees rather than Jesus. Boom! <laughs> right? I mean, we, Mic drop. Podcast mic drop right there. Right. We, 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 we read the scriptures the way the Pharisees did as if they were telling the truth. Man. And they, they weren't. They were wrong. This is why Jesus spoke to them the way that 
that he did. This is why he had no problem uh, blasting them for their self-righteousness because you all of a sudden think that you can be saved by keeping the law. Like, who are you? Right. You know? You're tithing this, that, and the other thing right. all the way down yeah, to your little man, spice skimming, yeah. all this stuff. And you think that by that you're going to be saved. Right. right. But you've neglected the weightier mm. The, the weightier matters of the law, which right. is to love God. You don't know mercy. You don't know to, kindness. You don't right. know God. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know how to image him. Right. Wow. So oftentimes we, we actually, we, we assume that the Pharisees were interpreting the Old Testament correctly. Right. And then we read the Old Testament through their lens and saying, oh, yeah, that is what the Old Testament is about. We read yes. Galatians and, and do the same thing, right? Paul is blasting the Judaizers for, you know, salvation is not, or covenant identity does not come through circumcision any longer, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and, and we read it as if the Judaizers were correct in their interpretation of the Old Testament. Right. And what Paul is doing is saying, no, we're now on to something completely new. That's not what's going on. Yeah. He's actually blasting them for an inappropriate view of the Old Testament, uh, not understanding the promises that were given to Abraham and given to David and, and, and so on, mm-hmm. that all the nations would come. Um, and certainly there are aspects of the law that have fallen away or have been transformed. Circumcision certainly one of them, yeah. right? That our identity with the covenant people of God is no longer through uh, a physical sign like circumcision, but rather it's through baptism. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're brought in to, to relationship with God uh, in in a in the new covenant, which again is not even an entirely new covenant, right? It's the old covenant that has been embodied by Christ. He took it into the grave and he resurrected and he glorified it. So it's not even two separate covenants. It's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a glorification of the old yeah. as it has found its fulfillment in Christ. Yeah, that's really good. Wow, uh, there's just so much that you got to wrestle with, right? I mean, have, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, struck even just in reflecting back to the uh, the last podcast kind of describing the the phasing of priest to king to prophet and it's interesting to me that the law was that the podcast about discipleship time by time to grow up yeah right yeah yeah um, that that the law was given in the in the priestly uh, era if you will of humanity and it's still meant to be a tutor both to them yeah. in the Old Testament, and it's meant to be a tutor to us as well. Yeah. And the, the tutoring of that <laughs> for good priests is that it ought to teach us right. how to be better image bearers of God. What does God do with all of his covenants? He keeps them all perfectly. What do we do with covenant? We talked about this this morning from the devotional that was given out about um, sin and, and how, how the confession of our sin um, is a way in which we grow to be... Um, to be perfected, um, to change from one glory to another, um, and it, in doing so, we are we are being tutored by God's perfect law that describes right. the way in which a righteous man will live. Even yeah. um, and as we image God well, we begin to do better at keeping our covenants yeah. the way God keeps them perfectly. The law is tutoring us to keep right. covenants. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what. And if you go to Second uh, Corinthians and. Uh, second uh, Ephesians 2 um, it talks about we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God had prepared before him and so as a tutor he is tutoring us we, he's got th- these are the good works he's uh, that we are working in uh, we are being conformed by the law we're being tutored by the law and and that through the work of Christ through the work of the spirit we are being renewed um, daily 
as we grow in Christ and we mature in Christ. So, um, asking you, understanding the um, the old old covenant and the law, and there there are some that actually say that, uh, like the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Book of James, aren't actually for new New uh, Testament Christians, not for the church. Um, well, I mean, what do, what do y'all think about that? I think we should take those people out back of the church and beat them with sticks. <laughs> That's what I think we should do. Until they read, y'all. Yeah, I think anybody who would try to say that any part of the scripture is not for us uh, is is painfully misconstruing and twisting and not understanding the scripture. Yeah. Uh, and and to have that sort of mentality. Or to read the scripture as to try to parse it up and say, well, this is this is not for us. It's it, it, it's it's ungodly. The what, what the word of God is is God's revelation to us in His Word. Uh, this is the inspired word of God, and for us to be able to say, oh, actually, I don't need that part. James, yeah, you're speaking to Jews. I'm not a Jew, therefore I don't need that. Um, sermon on the Mount. That is a kingdom parable sermon sort of thing that would apply to. Israel, if they would have accepted him as king, it's a kingdom ethic that might come into play in the millennial reign, but today it doesn't apply to us. I think that is, it's a horrible hermeneutic, and it's one that is completely foreign to the internal structure and DNA of the scripture. Probably yeah. not only the scripture, but also church history too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone accepted when the canonization of the scripture, right? Like, yeah, except for the heretics, like Marcion, he, you know, he tried to say right? the Old Testament is separated, but that's that, that's stuff that we've dealt with in the past and we'll yeah. continue to deal with apparently in the future but we shouldn't um soften ourselves to that you know we should right. we should be able to draw the same line that uh the the faithful church has done throughout church history and saying uh, that that is just unacceptable yeah now doesn't the book of hebrews talk a little bit about how the old testament though is becoming obsolete so or the the, the old covenant so what is uh the, the writer of hebrews meaning by the Old Testament becoming obsolete. So maybe not abolished. We already confirmed that. We don't need to cut our Bibles in half or, you know, around the two-thirds line. Um, so not abolishing the Old Testament, but to think that it, the Old Covenant is obsolete. What, 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 is, what does he mean by that? Well, in, in thinking of uh, even broader parts of Hebrews that describe... Um, our lives, the Christian life as a race, and there's in, in history the old covenant and the new covenant uh, meet more in a baton exchange kind of race rather than a sprint or a marathon. Mm. And so we're seeing the old covenant around the time uh, leading up to AD 70 as mm. coming to an end yeah. uh, because something greater uh, was coming, and that, that being Christ and his uh, birth, death burial, resurrection, and ascension, um, and Christ coming, um, even as I was looking here, that Christ comes as a uh, faithful in all the house, as a son, whereas Moses was faithful in all the house, but as a servant. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a fulfilling and a perfecting of something better than just being, if we were all to submit ourselves just to the law and the works of the law, we'd, we'd be really good uh, and faithful in God's house, but as servants. But God wants us to be sons in the house of God 
And we're only able to do that through the perfect righteousness of Christ in the law. Yeah, it's interesting, speaking of the rest of Hebrews, how passage after passage, he's going back to the Old Testament and saying, just like this, Christ is this. Mm-hmm. I think even, you know, someone has said, you know, the, the New Testament, uh, Jesus didn't come to establish um, the old temple, like Temple 2.0. Mm-hmm. But basically, the entire book of Hebrews says, no, that's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. Like, now Christ is the better Moses. Christ is the better, you know, temple. He is building us up, you know, as living stones into a place in a house of worship. Christ is the better high priest. Christ is the better sacrifice. Christ's blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Like, so it takes all the Old Testament and saying, actually, yes, um, but even better. So the passage I was talking about was uh, Hebrews eight thirteen, when um, it says, in speaking of a new covenant... He makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready, excuse me, to vanish away. So what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Mm-hmm. And so you had spoken of 70 AD, like what, guys, what, what is 70, I, I remember not having a clue what 70 AD meant at all, you know, and this was just Bible college not, not too long ago, where 70 AD was not a very significant event in my mind. Yeah. But in order to understand that passage, you know, it is extremely significant, right? Right. Yeah, I think, again, I think there's there's ways to understand the old and the new and w- what that whole transition has looked like. Right. Right. And again, it's not two totally different entities that come and kind of meet uh, with, with each other as if the old entity is the old way and now that is completely gone and we've jumped to another ship. Yeah. Right, and but don't um, we have that New Testament page in our Bible yeah. that tells us, "Hey, I don't." Right, I throw that mug out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so seventy AD was yeah. when uh, the temple was destroyed by right. by the Romans, right? So, and it's prophesied all throughout the New Testament. Revelation speaks about it. The Olivet Discourse explicitly uh, speaks about it. Um, so, what we see happening is that within. When Christ comes, he, he, and this is what Hebrews tells us throughout the whole thing, that he in himself embodies every aspect of the law, right, of the old covenant from the ultimate, he is the ultimate priest, he's the ultimate king, he's the ultimate prophet, he's the ultimate sacrifice, he's the ultimate sanctuary, he's the ultimate source of righteousness, he is, he is God himself that has come and he has absorbed in himself everything about the old covenant, right? And, and thus transforming all of that mm. in his death, burial, and resurrection. He has transformed all of that. So do we still have a priest? Yeah. But yeah. it's no longer Levitical. A great priest. high priest. We have a great high priest, yeah. right? Do, do, we, uh, do we still have a king? Yes. yes. Do we still have a prophet? Yes. yes. Do we still have a sanctuary? Yes. yes. Do we still have a temple? Yes. yes. All of these things have not gone away. They've been transformed into something better in Christ, right? Yeah. So... What do we do then with the old temple and the old priest and the old sacrifice? Right. What, what, what happens to that? Well, yeah. that is going away. Right. Right. So there's this overlap, like Jamie was saying, there's this overlap between when Christ comes, death, burial, resurrection, and then the destruction of the temple 40 years later, yeah. right? A generation, this yeah. generation will not pass away, he says in Matthew 24, yeah. until all of these things happen. That generation, that 40 years, uh, Christ... And God uh, orchestrate and, and, and through his divine hand uh, sees the temple destroyed through by, by using Rome. Um, so when that is destroyed, now what temple is left? 
Only Christ. Only Christ. What priest is left? Only Christ. What sacrifice is left? Only Christ. That's it. The yeah. old thing has become obsolete. It has vanished away. And the effectual nature of it right. uh, during that time was fading quickly. Yeah. Right? Uh, so as the gospel is, is spread, mm-hmm. uh, we see the 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 draw of Jerusalem and the temple beginning to be called into question. And that is Paul's big push in Galatians against the Judaizers who are trying to keep this thing on life support. And he's saying, no, let that go. That is not what we're about now. That is the old way. But all of this has been transformed in Christ. And now we are in him. So we have a new temple, new sacrifice, new priest, and so on. So not do away with the Old Testament, not do away with the circumcision and everything else, but see it fulfilled in Christ. Right. So think about it like this. Um, Online dating... Is, is a big thing. Zach, you met Carrie, right? Through one. Right? No shame in that. It's good. It's wonderful. But the first thing that you see is a picture. Right. Right? So let's say uh, you, you walk through that path of, of what it is to be married through an online platform. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you do is you see a picture of of your future spouse. Right. Say, man, I find this person attractive. I like their profile. Da, 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 da. And then it moves on to maybe it's a direct message or a text or a phone call. Right. And eventually you meet face to face. Yeah. And then as that relationship grows and progresses, you get married and, and so on. Yeah. Now, it would be wrong for you to, to, to completely ignore your wife, but only look at pictures of her on your phone. Right. And say, this, this is the person I talk to. You don't actually talk to her. You only text her. Right? Yeah. You're using the old system constantly uh, to communicate and to have a relationship with your wife where the old has passed away through marriage yeah. And by actually coming together and meeting in person, the old way is no longer sufficient. Now you have this new relationship. So to, to always be looking at your phone and, and, and thinking, okay, this is, this is my wife, this person, but I'm ignoring the person that's next to me right. um, would be just a, a horrible marriage, right? A, right. a horrible relationship. And, and you'd have many people in your life saying, Zach, knock it off. Like, right. She's, she's right here next to you. Yeah. Um, not to use you personally in this illustration. No, that's to the fine. degree that I Yeah, absolutely. But, and, uh, but in, this, in the same way, the old, the old covenant is like that. Yeah. Right? It's the picture on the phone. It's pointing toward the reality that's coming, right. which is Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So that 70, um, AD, 70 AD moment was huge, and especially, I think, in the book of Hebrews as well. Because in the book of Hebrews, they're tempted to go back to the old system because it was still there. Like, they could go sacrifice. They could go to the high priest. They could go to the temple. It still existed at that point. And that's one of the, one of the things I wanted to look at in, uh, in that aspect. During that period of time, how should we look at the, the apostles or even those Christians that were Jews as how they right. looked at the temple? Because they really, if, they're, if they're making... They're making sacrifices. That's yeah. that's an apostate sacrifice because they denied the sacrifice of Christ. Christ as being sufficient it's once being for sufficient. all. Exactly. And so now this, the, these these uh, yeah. sacrifices came on. But even when we go down to Acts twenty one with Paul, right, and how he comes back after his uh, third missionary journey, he's in Jerusalem. James tells him, "Hey, um, go and." Uh, take these four guys who have taken a vow and offer sacrifice and everything like you're like uh, you're supposed to, because all of these Jews have, have heard that you're preaching against the law and Moses and and sac- mm, and uh, circumcision yeah. and everything. But the the distinction there is how that James says you know, for the Gentiles we have written to them how they should, but 
to calm the Jews down, you go do this. How should we understand that in Acts 21? Oh, what do you think? Right. <laughs> I, I would say at least first what, what I find interesting about this idea of going from the old system that obviously um, God had, had ordained to exist, right? The, the temple, Solomon's temple to be built, and then the, mm-hmm. the rebuilt, the reconstructed temple was certainly there for a purpose. And, and you see, even in the New Testament, where, where does everybody, including Jesus, where does he go to preach the gospel to, to all of people who would believe? Jews, obviously the Jews, yeah. are going to have to receive it in the temple, at the synagogues. Jesus is going to go to those places in the old system yeah. because they still exist right. and to use them for, for his purposes. And honestly, it should be kind of an easy <laughs> on-ramp to preaching Christ yeah. is, yeah. hey, everything you guys already believe, I don't have to tell you the story of Moses. Not at all. I'm going to tell you the story of you know uh, of, of Adam and Eve. I don't have to tell you this. Oh, you know all the stories. I ain't got to tell you the story. No, I don't have to tell you the story. David, you guys know that when I say the son of David, the son of Abraham has come. He's here. He was a descendant. Here, read Matthew's gospel, right? Um, and that's even another thing, too, to talk about how those two are not distinct, and maybe you should rip out that page of the New New Testament page in your Bible, because Matthew begins right off the bat with this genealogy, right. which is very much like the Old Testament, these genealogies, saying just that, man, he is the Christ. He's the one born, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He has come to set his people free. The Christ is here. But it, that's exactly what you're what you're you're talking about. Like uh, you go to the temple, and all of these things should point you straight to Christ. Everything they should, and that's the thing. Even when Christ uh, was at the feast of uh, dedication, yeah. um, and in the whole ceremony leading up to the feast of dedication, and then how Jesus, and Christ. I think this is John. Mm. Uh, I want to say chapter seven, but I'm not 100. Um, percent Why? How Jesus stands up and says, "Hey, ye who are you come unto me, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me shall not." never thirst and that whole um, mm-hmm. background of the right. ceremony and the feats of dedication that is pointing all to Christ now Christ proclaims himself in that right so he can go to a celebration he can go to a Jewish ceremony himself and say I think he like stands up on the table or something you know mm-hmm. right right at the, the moment and says hey I'm the one if all of you thirst Come and drink from me. I'm that rock which Moses struck in the desert, and and living water comes flowing from it, which is the Holy Spirit. So come to me, and all of you will drink and be satisfied. So, yeah, if Paul or those other guys, or even if us today, were to go to Jews, uh, we'd be able to say, man... Let me show you how all of this points to Christ. The Old Testament is supposed to be a tutor, which leads us there. You know, and if you were to go there and see all their signs and symbols, all the stories of Moses, Noah, uh, Abraham, anybody, there'd be like stained glass windows in a cathedral, right? Just there are images, kind of like you're talking about with Christian, the Christian mingle online dating. These are images which point us to Christ. They are foreshadowing his coming and what he would be like. So, And he fulfills all of them. In Christ, you see... Him retelling constantly the, the different stories of the Old Testament saints and fulfilling them and glorifying them. Yeah, yeah, and I think when we look at the New Testament as a whole, even the the apostles and those who wrote the New Testament, uh, they weren't trying to write anything new. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, they were just continuing in the tradition. They're actually com they're, they're, they're commentaries on the old on the Old Testament. Uh, they are they're reading the Old Testament in light of Christ and saying. This is what everything has been about. Right. 
right? All it's, of God's promises. All, all of this is, has come into uh, and, and has met within the person of Christ right. and has been fulfilled here. Yeah. Uh, so let me show you what the Old Testament has said. And now let me show you what it looks like to live in light mm-hmm. of all of this. Yeah. Right? So again, they're not trying to write something novel. They're not like... All right, hey, we've had this this whole tradition, and now like the Reformation, new revelation. We're going to do this new thing. Yeah, an angel here. came to us and said, "Yeah, something right. totally different no. now." No, which is why, to, to your point early on, with yeah. uh, Paul in First Corinthians fifteen, he talks about the resurrection in accordance with the scriptures. Right, right. When John tells us how to read uh, the the Gospels and or the Old Testament in John chapter five. He talks about how everything points to Christ. Everything's right. about Christ. Luke because those Pharisees, him. you're searching the scriptures, right. thinking in them you'll find salvation. Right. These are the very scriptures that are testifying about me. Exactly. I'm standing right in front of you. Right. Yeah. Same thing in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. Jesus yeah. himself opens up the word of God and he shows yeah. them how the Old Testament was about him, pointed to him. And the New Testament is just opening our eyes and explaining that yeah. for us. And Jesus is so kind to us that even in the even in the sacraments, what does he do? And especially with the Lord's Supper, uh, what does he do? But he takes the Passover meal and and he glorifies it. He perfects it and says, yeah. in my body now is yeah. right. is the new covenant. This is my blood and this is my body. Those, those Jews who are hearing him, disciples hearing this, uh, understood perfectly uh, the story of, of the Passover and, and had celebrated that feast, you know, for years since they were children. And he does something with it. He doesn't say, I'm going to do something again over and against that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to perfect it. I'm going to glorify it. I'm going to make it better. Right. Um, that is growing obsolete because it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to make it perfect in my body and in my blood. Yeah. Switching gears just a little bit, but I would love to have a little conversation about this. So the disciples, when Jesus calls them, right, he's calling, whether it's the sons of Zebedee out of a fishing boat or, or, or um, the tax collectors, right? He's calling these disciples to himself. At that time, these are Jewish people, right? They are God-honoring, God-fearing Jews, um, good, faithful Old Testament Jews, if you will, right? And when he's calling them to himself, for them to reject and not follow Jesus and say, no, I'm going to still you know, just worship at the temple. I'm going to still keep offering sacrifices. At that moment, that's Yahweh in the flesh. You know, the God of Genesis 1-1 and all the way through. The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now in the flesh before them. And so for them to be faithful Jews, it means to follow Jesus. Is that right? Uh, and, all the, and all the Jewish people both from the entire New Testament onward, you know, the Gospels and the entire New Testament, and even today, if you want to be a faithful Jew, you need to follow Christ, mm-hmm. right? He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. He's Yahweh in the flesh. If you don't follow him, you're not a faithful Jew. You are opposed to Yahweh. You stand against Yahweh. You know, I used to think that, man, Jews today, if they're like really trying to follow the Jewish law the best that they can, I'm like, you know what? They're kind of God's people too. Like they're kind of on God's team and we're kind of on the same team together. But the truth is that's not, that, that can't be right. Am they're I right? Prostates. They have to be, right? Because they reject Christ. That's Yahweh in the flesh, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament law. Well, it's like uh, it was the, the Pharisees and the, those Jewish leaders that said, hey, his blood be upon us and our children mm-hmm. and that's it and so if you're either in christ or you're out there's no there you're not you're not you're not straddling the fence there's right. no other chosen people there's no other covenant people outside right. of christ yeah 
You know, Pastor Kyle, you've said oftentimes, even reading of the Old Testament, we should talk about the Old Testament saints and God's people as our people. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this is more of a, an us and, you know, and we as God's people, just like they, you know, and not just always like a they and them. That Old Testament, that's for those Jews or, or them over there. But that's God's people faithfully following Yahweh the whole time. Right. And to see that more, I guess, is a streamless um, or a seamless, sorry, you know, transition from Old Testament to New Testament. You know, even John the Baptist, he's an Old Testament prophet, but actually sees the one whom he prophesied of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you see God's work in redemption in history like a stream, right, that flows through history, um, we, we see that new covenant Christians, um, we are not, we are not introduced to a different stream. Yeah, that's good. Uh, We're not, we didn't jump in a different river, but rather he has taken us from the four corners of the earth and has brought us in and has baptized us into his redemption in Christ. He's grafted us in. He's grafted us in. So as we continue down this, this stream of God's redemption, when we look back, we see in the same stream, Adam and Eve and Noah and yeah. Abraham and Moses and all the way through. So they are our fathers. Yeah, and, and, our, and our cloud of witnesses, right? Cloud of witnesses. I mean, Hebrews 12 says, those are our people. We should look back to them to see what it looks like to faithfully follow Yahweh. Yeah. So I mean, if you don't have an Old Testament, if you only have a New Testament, or you know, and if you abolish it or cut it off, like you can't even do that. You can't even obey the New Testament, which is telling you go back and look yeah. at them to see what it looks like to faithfully follow Yahweh. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that, and just to, to, I think, restate what you just said, um, being a part of that stream, for us to, to be able to interpret uh, even our world today from a biblical perspective, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, man. Gosh, that that is so good. Not only how we might understand all of our world that we're currently living in, um, but also it helps us to understand who Christ is better. Um, if Jesus on the road... Uh, to Emmaus with those disciples, right? He um, wants to reveal himself to them of who he is, right? Because they're all sad. They're like, man, the, the Christ, we thought we thought Jesus was the Christ, but he died. And man, they're, they're so depressed. They're so sad. And he's like, man, I am he. I'm standing right in front of you. He's like, didn't you know, oh, you know, slow of heart, foolish to believe. Do you know that, of course, the Christ was supposed to suffer and then enter into his glory? You should have known that. You should have known everything about uh, the Christ just because of reading the Old Testament. You should have known all these things to be true. And then in order to disclose who he was uh, to them, which even once they realize it's him, he vanishes, right? Um, but in order to disclose himself to them, to reveal himself to them, he actually goes to the Old Testament. It says, beginning with the law and the prophets and you know, Moses and even the Psalms, he shows them how in all of the Old Testament, all the way that it was pointing to him. So even uh, for us as disciples today, for you guys, in studying the Old Testament, maybe more or, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe you have your whole life or maybe just now realizing, oh, wow, the whole Old Testament actually points us to Christ kind of like a road to Emmaus. How's that been for you? Your road to Emmaus as you've been studying the Old Testament. Have you gotten to know even Christ better? Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely in the last few years. And the the crazy thing is, is that in your life, and you probably all have milestones like this, yeah. where things, it's people say something to you or you read something and it just doesn't come back. But then you continue to learn and grow um, and you mature and you're just like, oh, light bulbs. I, I heard that. You know, 15 years ago, mm. uh, one thing that comes to my mind is I had a, a platoon sergeant in the Marine Corps. Mm. Um, well, 
it was an older guy. He had to get waiver to come in, uh, to come back in because he was in the Marine Corps in the in the nineties. Um, and he came in. He had been a Alabama State Trooper, uh, so he was a very hard charger kind of thing. Uh, Sergeant Britton. Did you uh, like him? Yeah, he just retired, <laughs> so I uh, uh, loved him. And he was a very strong Christian. So he says, "What? What do you? What did you learn from the words?" Because I'd be reading when we were in Iraq. I'd read my Bible when I could. He said, mm. "What did you learn? Understanding what you read." Every time I'd see him, do you understand what you read? But mm. he would always emphasize mind the word uh, find those little nuggets of truth um, he said you just suppose you read it once you're not going to find it, everything and so he would emphasize and I would be like okay you know, I read it you know I read through read everything but it's, it's funny how you even looking at Christ in the Old Testament right um, that still comes back to me even hearing a older more mature Christian mine the word find yeah. those nuggets where is it at because just because you've read it once you've gone through it you're never going to exhaust the Word of God, and especially in the Old Testament, how it's all pointing to Christ. It's all pointing to Christ. So, yes, in the, in, as I, I mature, as I, other brothers in Christ sharpen you, and you, they, they rub, rub you wrong sometimes. You're like, you want to fight against them sometimes yeah. because I've never heard that. That rubs me wrong. I, that's not what I believe. And your, your, your beliefs are tested. Yeah. As you're pointed, as that your brothers in Christ point you to Scripture and what does Scripture actually say, and so it that really forces you to mind the Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament, Psalm one ten one, and and describing Jesus as a priest after the order of Melchizedek, uh, and and if we have no reference uh, from the Old Testament. Um, to help us discern what that even means, why would that even be important that Christ would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, is to leave us in great mystery. Um, I, I think the New Testament ought to be extremely mysterious to those that only read the New Testament. But if you read the Old Testament, you find Christ as a better Melchizedek. You find Christ as a better king than King David, a man after God's own heart. You find Jesus a better prophet than Ezekiel, um, so many of those those stories from the Old Testament that uh, clarify for us uh, and explain to us what Jesus says and, and Jesus' life and ministry and the parables in which he spoke um, are not meant to leave us um, unambiguous around who this, who this Christ is, who, what this new covenant is. Uh, it is to help explain, to clarify, uh, and to to give us a fuller sense of, of who he is and who we are in him. The Old Testament is, uh, like you mentioned, Zach, uh, the Old Testament ought to create a burning within our hearts for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Just as did those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Right. And they say, man, when he was going through the scriptures, did not our hearts burn within us? <clears throat> not just while he was there with them, but even like, wow, we went through the scriptures because Christ was present there. You know, he, he's reading these stories, like he's going through and he's expositing through the Old Testament, showing how all of the Old Testament points to him, and their hearts just burn within them. Um, so e- even with that, like the, the preaching at Exodus, gosh, we preach a lot from the Old Testament. We read from the Old Testament. We push people to the New Testament. Jamie, you've been here from the you know very beginning, and that's been an emphasis of our church, which I guess even a lot of other churches and church plants would say, that was a terrible idea. Why are you doing that, Pastor Kyle? You know, um, And then you know Kyle Waters, you joined a little bit in, and, and it was all new for you as well. So just that heavy, heavy emphasis of the Old Testament, that biblical theology pointing to Christ. I mean, do you feel like that road to Emmaus sort of thing is the way that we approach the Scriptures? 
Definitely. Definitely. And, and, and that's where I've really grown uh, is between you three, uh, especially that even though I was kind of walking toward that route, y'all have, y'all have sharpened me. Y'all have forced me to, um, to look back at the scriptures through sermons, through personal conversations, through studies, and even just, you know, just chatting it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, when I, when I say, well, is that really how you should look at that? Mm-hmm. Um, and there has been many times, and this, this is not a bad thing that you may have a difference of opinion and that may rub you wrong. You may say, what is he, who's he thinking? That's a good thing. Yeah. And so many times in this modern age, and especially, and I think it's American evangelicalism, is that, oh, well, and this all goes back to what you were talking about, tribalism, Jamie. Um, that we think just because, well, they don't agree 100% with me, so they're over here and I'm over here in this camp. But that's why we should be rubbed um, and rubbed and, and sharpened by people from different persuasions and different understandings because it points us, as long as we're being pointed back to the scriptures. And so, in fellowship with other brothers in Christ, in the church, um, being pointed back to the scriptures, pointed back to Christ, knowing that He is the fulfillment of of Scripture. Um, and when you say Scripture, you mean Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, we're not taking parts out. We're yeah. not going to say those chapters are for these people at this time, and not they're not worried about us. No. All of it. Mm-hmm. And and think about the, the vision, the mission of Exodus Church to redeem, restore, and renew all things to Christ. And how are we to do that um, without using and heeding the entire counsel of God? If we are, if we're going to tie our own hands by only saying that we can find Christ and claim Christ out of the New Testament, we're not even using the entire arsenal that we have to redeem, renew, and restore all things to Christ. God did not give us a playbook half-finished. Uh, the full counsel of God, uh, his full revelation to us has been given in old and new, and we ought to use all of them. And that has been the vision and mission of Exodus Church since yeah. day one. Right. So this is not just something that some seminary students or some pastors just kind of uh, like to enjoy themselves. Like, oh, Christ in the Old Testament, or oh, I like the Old Testament. You know, It's not just some hobby horse thing, but it's something that is needed for all of God's people. You guys would agree with that? Like yeah. any Christian, like, hey, go to a church that pre- is able to preach from the Old Testament, but connected to Christ, again, just like that Luke 24 way that they that they are constantly showing you how all of Scripture is fulfilled in him. That, that is the hermeneutic. It's a Christ-centered hermeneutic, a way to understand Scripture. Apart from that, you're just making some other, you're taking some other system or some other hermeneutic and trying to apply it to Scripture rather than bringing it out of scripture. Pastor God, what would you encourage us, our listeners uh, today with in this understanding of how to approach the Old Testament? Man, what should we do with it? Um, what's the point of it? What, what do I take away from even listening to this podcast? Yeah, I think to kind of pick up a, a thread that was dropped early on when you mentioned uh, Andy Stanley and the desire to unhitch from the Old Testament, uh, his desire to do that is a pastoral desire. Right, it's an yeah. apologetic. He sees the uh, the Old Testament as creating these barriers for people yeah. in, in our world today. Where, where the question that people are asking today is not uh, does God exist? Though some are still wrestling with that. But the real question that we wrestle with is is God good? Right. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you go to the Old Testament and you see some of the uh, the ways that God interacts with people, and that can be difficult to explain. Right. Right. So. 
out of out of a heart, I think from from Andy Stanley, he wants to be able to um, to minister to his people and prepare them and and help them walk boldly in their faith without a stumbling block. So he wants to unhitch from what he sees as as the stumbling block, um, and he says that you know we we serve. Uh, God and in Christ, uh, our faith is based off an event, right? Which is the resurrection. So I have, the, I think I have the same burden that he, he has is I, I don't want our people to be tripping over stumbling blocks mm-hmm. as they're trying to understand the goodness of God or share the gospel with people. But the method that I would have would be very different than Andy Stanley's. It's not to unhitch, but it would be to enter into it and understand it and wrestle with it. And in that wrestling, in the same way Jacob wrestled all night with, with the angel, right. uh, in that wrestling, there's a blessing and you see the goodness of God in, in ways that you will not see without the Old Testament. Right. Uh, the event of the resurrection, uh, the glory of that event is diminished without the Old Testament's testimony about it. Right. right. The grace of God is diminished without seeing the grace of God in the Old Testament. <laughs>